0: Are we recording?
1: <laughs> we should be recording. I hope you're
0: we fucking better record. be
1: recording. We <laughs> claps.
0: No, I mean. You are tell we me, Monty. Are we
1: recording?
2: We're always on the show, Monty. Once that record...
1: Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm where niche is neat. I'm your producer Ben, accompanied by your director Matt, and My... also making his return this week the Shea Butter himself, our most red fan. Who has evolved into our king of catering? It's Monty. Yeah. Monty, what's up, dude?
0: Yeah, I got to hang out with Matt last week. Hell that yeah! Was awesome. It was awesome.
1: There was a there was a pause there. No, wow. I was oh, trying wow. to think of something
0: creative to say, but I wanted to say it was something. extravagant. It was, it was extravagant. It it's was legendary. Awful. Two powers of... Monty uh, hated it. Just, like, two powerful people colliding in the city it of was, Toronto. Was it, was it like the so, superpowers? It is. It's like the, so, mega, powers. the, the mega powers. Thank That's you, Monty. <laughs>
1: thank you, about. Monty, for getting the terminology oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the
2: greatest impression I've ever heard in my life.
1: I was pretty ace. I was pretty on it. Uh, that you know, was an A-tier um,
2: impression.
1: So while while you guys were gone last week, I held the fort down, pat hey, myself on the back for a non-wrestling
2: episode. It was uh, shocking. It was, I genuinely, it was very I f- hard. I had a few expectations for what last week's episode were going to be, and my one major guess I'm going to hold off on because I have a feeling, Ben, you're trying, you're going to try to spring this idea on me. But I want you to know I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared. I know. I know who lives within the earth. That's all we're gonna say. That's all we're gonna say. Because um, oh, some some, some some performers need to recede into the warm hearth of the hollow earth as they commit to their transformation. But but we're not going down that path. Last week, Ben, you did choose to talk about uh, several albums. Um, I and, did, and you know, you you were rather uh, self-deprecating on on the pod, on that, that that I I'd call it like a medium potty, yeah. Um, but I think overall, I think you really uh, you presented a really interesting uh, analysis, and you actually I, I was listening to it with uh, with Taryn, and we were talking, um, and she was like watching my facial expression. And at near the end of the podcast, I was like kind of like shaking my head. And Taryn goes like, What's what's going on? I was like, Well, Ben had like all of the major points right, but there's like <clears throat> a few things that I was like really hoping, you know, <laughs> he would have mentioned. But then the primary thing um was uh Ulthers vocalist's uh, throat cancer. Um and I was really hoping that you would highlight it, and you did. And I did. Well, yeah. I brought um, it back. The other thing I wanted to share with you, Ben, about your review, especially of Ulther's uh, uh, a- Anthronomicon and Helionomicon. Um, the first fun fact is that uh, when they chose the name Ulther, neither- none of the band members gave a shit about who HP Lovecraft is. I, I did see that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, Which I find hilarious about the band. That, yeah. They, they just, they just fully took committed and they committed rolled with it. Yeah. Because it worked. Um, That's metal we'll, as hell. Yeah. We'll have to do a retrospective and have, and I'll take you back to listen to Cosmovore and Providence. Cosmivore, um, their 2018 release was the album that I found, um, an with and fell in love with. And then I, I still think Providence, um, their second full release sits just, just above, um, Anthronomicon as their second best release um only succeeded by Helionomicon, which I also I was very happy with I fully agree with you that Helionomicon is the superior um of the two I I genuinely wish yeah. Anthronomicon ended at um at flesh uh song 4 and then the and then the rest of the album was just the two tracks I wish yeah. it was the first four songs on like the A side and then the B side was just the two things but I think if they did that, it would have been three vinyls long in physical release. So they just sell you uh, that's two a good vinyls. Point, yeah. Um, the other fun thing um, to mention about uh, Helionomicon specifically, um, and then you might have read this in the same interview I did, is that each song um, was primarily written by one of the two uh, main guitar players/slash bass players. Yes. So Steve Peacock handled one song, and Shelby Lee Moore handled another. Lermo, i think yeah Lermo. uh and i think what you what you mentioned about the uh the guitar work and the technicality of their music sounding almost like genuinely cosmic um and yeah kind of their own special blend of like ascended abstract uh black and death metal is that um i believe steve um primarily improvs all of the riffs he writes um, that's crazy yeah so he doesn't he doesn't come in with like an expectation or a plan of what he's gonna play he just hears and just goes where shelby um i believe very much in detail writes out everything in order like everything that he that they write and they play is very particularly laid out and everything is planned um and i think you can really hear that on helio uh helio yeah um, absolutely I think it was, Anthronomicon sounded a bit more free, um, where Helionomicon yeah. had that technicality to it. I just I'm, don't
1: think there was enough time to develop it per
2: song in Anthronomicon. I agree. I, I think that's, that's all. I I think. Well, that's what I. Which is funny is that on Anthronomicon, your average song length is about five minutes, um, and I think the an album that that shows off their their mixture really well is actually their first album, Cosmivore. Um, and the songs are about the same length, um ex- except that like the writing duties are split up differently and they f- and they sound much faster. Hmm. Um the sound that you get on uh, on both Providence and Cosmovore are a much more quick paced approach uh to uh author's current sound where they've very much slowed down and kind of made a more thought-provoking or i guess um um cosmic kind of etheric sound where before they were very dissonant and very driven like very very harshly straightforward especially on cosmivore um so we'll have to we'll have to come back to it um and review those two albums from the past i also um, I don't really have anything to say about Massive Gun, and I agree with you that Nibla Scarce is good, not great. You really got to go back and listen to their older releases. Um, the other album that I had a feeling that you were going to be uh, rather fond of, and I was very happy to hear that you heard, you were, was uh, Sanguasugabog. Yeah. Um, or The Bog. They they self-describe themselves as uh, down-tuned drug metal, um, according to yeah, one of the they... sh- they do not stop
1: talking about drugs. They are no.
2: that guy. Yeah, they're from Florida, and they're just... And they're all... all The whole band is, like, six foot one and just, like, massive. Like, they look like tag team heavyweights. <laughs> like, every one of them has got, like, a Bronson Reed kind of build. Or, like, a Samoa Joe kind of aesthetic, but, like, less necky. I,
1: I like that you're not mentioning the Butcher, who who is who was originally part of a band before he became a
2: wrestler at like 38. They're, they're very much Brody King kind of builds bro. <laughs>
1: bro, you're killing me here. Brody uh,
2: King. Yeah. You don't know who Brody. Oh man. We'll get to that later. He's not a lizard. Um, uh, but I, I agree with you. Sanga sugabog's um, most recent album was a real triumph. Uh, I sure do was, I, I do think it could benefit from a little bit of editing, um, but I think that uh, what makes it really good is if you kind of know what you're in for, um, they added in some more elements compared to their previous releases. Now, hmm. some of the criticism is that this album is a little bit less focused because of that. Right. Um, where I think that it just kind of mixes it up for a band who's playing like brutal death metal. There's like eight things happening in that genre. And like, once you've released What a lot of people consider to be a pretty perfect representation of that with uh, Pornographic Seizures, their 2019 uh, EP, and their 2021 uh, full-length Tortured Hole. Um, Both of those, I think, kind of do the down-tuned, guttural, brutal death sound pretty perfectly. um, Outside of maybe what we see from Eradication of the Unworthy Infants. Uh, Go check their tour out in May uh they uh yeah sanguasugabag does a great job so i i would also agree i think you gave them a four or a 3.75 gave him i gave
1: sanguasugabag like a four or something like that
2: yeah i i think homicidal ecstasy is is clearly a four but um helionomicon specifically is like almost a perfect prop like like with uh,
1: with across those two albums, my front runner for album art of the year so far.
2: Yes, and especially if you can see either of them in person, the uh the if you hold both vinyls together, they create one image, um, because it's one compositional piece of art, and it is just absolutely stunning.
1: Yeah, pi- pictures of people skating is not going to win this year if Helionomicon is. I don't know, to say d- about dude.
2: Fenrir's ice skating on a a frozen lake is pretty hard to fucking beat. Alright,
1: alright. Well, hey, before we go into the bulk of everything, I'll start with you, Matt, and then I'll ask you, Monty. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What is something that did not line up with your expectations of Monty when meeting him in person? Mm. Wow. What is something that surprised you about Monty uh, upon seeing him the first time at or or just experiencing your trip with him and Monty be be thinking the other way around like come so, over to you
2: <laughs> so so we we know a lot of uh, of people Ben and I who um are very in certain environments are very uh, affable and enjoyable people now, in my experience with the IT field in the world, that doesn't always transition as smoothly into in-person. Now, I go into any social circumstance being like, all right, I got to make sure that I'm like, prepared for like the social dynamic to be slightly different now that we're in person. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing that surprised me the most was that Monty is even more joyous and more affably friendly and more fun to be around in person than he is over Discord. So it, my my expectations were heightened by how wonderful Monty was. So, so what you're that, telling
1: me is that Monty just does not like me very much. It's probably a me thing.
2: Yeah, it's just the hairline uh so so monty did not
0: say anything about that
2: (laughs) no you didn't need to you already did (laughs) so
0: me i
1: don't know
2: what was unexpected about me monty
0: what what what? was
1: unexpected about matt when i first saw him i thought he was a drug dealer so
0: hey no i thought matt has great hair hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one was it even better than you expected it's so silky and smooth. Yes. That's and... true. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and no, Matt is exactly what I figured he would be. Uh, he's very special needs. Kind, very friendly. Aww. He made a lot of friends in Toronto. And uh shout out shout to... out
2: to Dimitri, my my <laughs> new lover.
0: <laughs> Has he gotten back to you?
2: Uh, I, I haven't sent him the, the full length detailed response, but I did uh, connect okay. with him over social media. So yeah, I'm in Dimitri contact. is a
0: friend of ours now. So, um, yeah. And I, I'm impressed that he actually got to sit in in one of our pa- par- parliament hearings. <laughs> while yes. He was oh high. yeah. <laughs> oh, so, did you? Yeah. So,
2: so I, I was, I was just in Toronto, of course. Uh, and for three of the days, my, uh, my wife was working. So I was left to my own devices in a foreign city. Um, to all, I had whatever... to tell
0: Mike, uh, all I had to tell Matt is go, you see that street over there, go that way and go all the way until you hit a street called Young Street. And then he went on his own personal adventure.
2: Yeah. So my, my first day in Toronto, first full day, my first, my first night in Toronto was in the glorious presence of Monty um, where I got to have hot pot for the first time. And I met a joyously wonderful new friend named Dimitri. Uh, Everyone's going to be joyous having hot pot. I know. I've never had hot pot before. I've only ever had. Really? Uh, yeah. I'd yeah. only ever had Korean barbecue and I'd had really? it several times and never have had hot pot. Um, wow! so Monty got to introduce me to hot pot. Um, it was hot and potty. Um, but the next, <laughs> the next, the next day, uh, yeah, actually, the next day, I felt the ramifications of having oh, so much hot, hot pot. pot. Um, but outside of that gastrointestinal discomfort, um, <laughs> I walked about four. I think fifteen and a half kilometers.
0: Hold um, on, hold on a sec, Ben. Have you had
2: hot pot before?
0: Yeah, I've had hot pot before. So let me paint you a picture. I stopped eating because I was very full already, but Matt and our friend Dimitri, they kept on going, and they went to the point where their pot was supposed to be a lovely broth turned into gravy. Because I've never wow seen they were ordering so much turned <laughs> the gravy i'm like wow that's a first because like when you start cooking a lot of fat rises right right and it just keeps building up as the more meat you put in there
2: yeah they had they had so, to come and oh refill our God. pot with extra broth like three times
1: I've wow so so you, you guys were getting like you you guys were getting, like, extra flavor then towards the end. You're oh, it, no, no, we, we,
0: we had three getting, different pots. It like kept Matt getting better. Like, eating the other spicy ones. So,
2: uh, I see. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we, had, we had a spicy pot, a curry pot, and a non-spicy pot.
0: Yeah, Um. two non-spicy pots. Taryn yeah. and I were sharing the non-spicy
2: pot, yeah. So
0: Dimitri and I were dying. <laughs> you guys. Um, but the next it day... It sounds so, like
2: you were living... I was, I was, but so the next day I truly lived by, by walking about 15 kilometers, um, over the course of like the, from like, you know, morning to e- to early evening throughout Toronto. And as part of those, uh, part of that walking distance, I, uh, I walked up to the parliament building cause I thought it looked cool. And I, and I, uh, approached a security guard and I asked him, Hey man, is there any way I can go inside? Cause, uh, it's a really pretty building. He's like, this is parliament. And I was like, "Yeah," and he goes, "All right." And so they, uh, they apparently offer free tours. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> and then I, he, I was like, "Oh!" Right. I got so excited. The security guard got confused and then ha- asked me, "He goes, what are you doing here?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm on vacation," and I, and I'm just like wandering around. My wife's at work, and he goes, "And you." Want to take a tour of Parliament? <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah!" I I, I legitimately sent a like gleefully, yeah, that awesome. gleefully excited text to Tara in the middle of the morning, going, "I can go inside of Parliament." Um, not only did I did I take the the about forty five to fifty minute tour of Parliament, I then also went and sat in on Parliament for an hour. And got to listen to the Canadian government in the sway of their uh, of their discussion about the housing crisis and uh, the rising housing prices of the uh, Canadian and Ontario uh, world. And I, I won't get into the political opinions of the conservative or the liberal parties of Ontario, but, but let me tell you, it's heated uh, because the best part about it was wa- outside of watching the pages run around and be really confused. Um, when the arguments were happening. So after the conservatives delivered their prim- primary statement, they had 15 minutes to debate. And a- as soon as that happened, anytime anyone said anything, the other people who weren't formally addressing the speaker were just launching the most brutal shit talk across the room. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do, one do you, of, you have
1: any choice phrases? Uh, one that of you my picked
2: up, uh, they, it was primarily like questions of integrity um and and then the uh one of the uh members of parliament was arguing that they they should be converting a certain part of the ontario uh landscape for housing and the uh (laughs) the the conservative party member starts talking about how it'll it'll provide more housing uh for the people of ontario and how it's an important addition and one of the members of the liberal party goes what the fuck do you think it's being used for now? <laughs> um, and the guy it's just had, fun
1: when it's not our government. Yeah, you know? that that was what's great it's like about somebody it. else's. It's
2: like, yeah, sure. Go crazy, guys. It was. Yeah, I, I wanted the affability that I, I will. I will throw a shout out if you're listening um, to Ken, the uh, the uh, parliament assistant I met who guided me up into the uh, into the buildings. I got lost. Because they sent me up an elevator. I went through security. And instead of after getting security checked, instead of going through the door behind the guy, I just walked the other direction because I didn't know. And uh, I was just wandering around part of the West Wing of the Canadian Parliament building where I was not supposed to be. And let me tell you, very lax security because no one knew I was there until three members of Parliament came walking up the stairs I was looking around at. And we're like, "What are you doing here, sir?"
1: And uh, <laughs> and, and- then you
2: responded with, "What are
1: you doing here, sir?" <laughs> I
2: know. I literally said, "Oh, I'm just enjoying the artwork." <laughs> and and mind you, Ben, you you know my uh my clothing choices. I I, I was wearing um blue corduroy pants with uh giant with like thick like ankle length hiking boots on. And, a, and my Ms. Muir hoodie with my brand new white battle jacket on. The
1: The name of today's episode will be The Day That Matt Stormed the Canadian Parliament Building. Thank you, because it's I true. should
0: correct that. It's actually the Provincial Parliament Building. not Shit,
2: get the fucked uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah,
2: this is the Provincial. I correct
0: that before you Ontario guys. The Ontario Parliament. it makes it sound like Matt went to Ottawa and to our ca- our. our, our our country's capital when it went yeah. walked around in there. Matt Doesn't,
1: storms the capital.
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't January. Americans can only storm capitals in January. Um,
1: well, on that day, you truly were <laughs> Canadian.
2: There, I've never, I, I typically am not like an aggressively patriotic person. But when, uh, when when my when my wife and I drove back across the border into Canada, back into the United States, the, the security guard went, did you have a good, the border guard, Did you have a good time in Canada? And we said, yeah, it was pretty great. And he goes, you excited to go home? And we went, of, of course, sir. And he goes, well, welcome home. <laughs> and, and then, and then I drove across the border back into America and I just had a swell of pride. <laughs> I've I've never felt so proud the Canadian
0: customs says welcome <laughs> welcome home or no the well US the ca- the, the Canadian customs <laughs> Canadians we...
1: are a great s- sense of American pride <laughs>
2: yeah they were no because when we drove when we drove into Canada the guy went all right have a good time and didn't yep. say anything but the the American border guard letting us back into the United States <laughs> was just like. Seemed really happy that we were happy to go back home, <laughs> and I just got this like mutual. It was like a, it was like instinctual. USA, I felt it deeply, yeah,
1: USA. Yeah, I literally
2: I literally chanted <laughs> that in the car as we drove over the border.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's no, it's a legitimate thing. You know, it's the same reason why, like in wrestling, it's like pro wrestling is the only time you can always and forever get away with a USA chant. Yeah, there's just never because a problem. like, yeah, it's never a problem because you know it's like yeah. We all fucking suck, but we're all Americans together. God damn it! Now, yeah, fuck you, Mexican luchador. Whoa, whoa, Boo, whoa, USA. Okay, jeez.
0: Right, okay, you made, it, you, made it... there. you almost made it. Yeah, hard. I was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 what is Ben about to say? Ben is in LA. <laughs> yeah, Look, yeah, two true, weeks has.
1: Uh, two weeks has changed me, guys. Two I'm, two weeks is I'm, all it took. I'm now I'm now a hot button issue guy and the hot button i want to press today Ooh. is in regards to evil dead
0: Ooh, <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> yes. so so one of the one of the amazing activities that uh, monty and i were able to get up to was on our last night in toronto monty treated my wife and i to a wonderful evening of cinema when VIP we just, cinema. Vi, yeah vip <laughs> cinema thank you very much what, what, what
1: does vip cinema denote
2: uh, like a, uh, you get like a, a separate entrance uh it's a very nice beautiful theater um it's you like the
0: chair sir, chair service uh,
2: it's the, so it's, it's the, like so it's
1: like the delta comfort plus of it's, movie well, theater i visits. i know
2: for for our listeners out there who actually go to the movies, so i know this won't be relevant to you ben um, but the it was very similar to the brand new modern uh, harsh
1: but fair. <laughs> it
2: it's very sim they're very similar to the brand new AMC like Dolby Cinema theaters um, or the uh, dine in uh, theaters where they deliver food to the seats. Um, but I will say the the seats were substantially more comfortable. Um, they're recliners, than even, than, and
0: reclining seats,
2: right? Yeah. If we if we take you to if you ever come and, and stay with me, Monty, we will take you to our local theater. Um, and give you the vip experience that you deserve um but monty took us uh to go see the brand new um film in the evil dead franchise evil dead rise or or as i i heard it lovingly referred to as the edu the evil dead universe um because everything has to be a cinematic universe um this is the fifth uh, full length film in the evil dead universe. Um it six in the series,
0: including yeah, the, if you count the television show.
2: Yeah, the sixth yeah. canonical piece of cinema or filmmaking in the series. Um, we of course started with the absolute classic and this is where we can this is where we can return to you, Ben. Um, we started with the absolute NC 17 1981 classic, The Evil Dead. Uh, a movie notorious uh, for its low budget and very simplified practical effects but also its utter brutality um Ben i i, I know you've seen this and and the follow up what did you think of 1981's the evil dead i like it but like evil dead 2
1: like kind of does it better yes so like easy. i i respect I, I respect evil dead 1 more
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: there's yeah. no reason to go back to it. Like, yeah,
0: I, I feel the same. Like, I mean, Evil Dead One is like the low budget school project, uh, lower the, budget because yeah, none lower. of these movies
2: have big budgets.
0: <laughs> no, I mean it, it's lower budget, and mm-hmm. then Evil Dead Two is kind of a bigger budget, but a slightly bigger budget, but it's kind of a a reboot slash. Well, Um, it's,
2: it's a, it's a, a it's a, it's a requel. The term I heard coin day was a requel because it, because what happened is, is that when they were going to make evil dead Two, Sam Raimi had lost all of the rights to everything from the first evil dead movie. So he couldn't reuse any of the imagery. He couldn't reuse uh bit bits from the thing unless he redid them in the movie, which is why you have like the 20 minute condensed remake in the beginning of the first one oh which is why it then launches into the sequel because the because sam Raimi had to basically refilm it um and he knew that he could he could re restructure it but better um and so evil dead 2 is is largely considered did he ever get the rights to evil dead one I don't no, I don't believe so. I think he still I think he only owns the the rights to the filming and the characters that exist from Evil Dead 2 forward.
0: Yeah.
2: Um so Evil Dead 2 in 1987 is largely considered to be one of the greatest horror comedy films ever made. In addition to being probably one of the best demon-based films ever made, and is in the pantheon of films with movies like like the shining, um, like Science of the Lambs up there with the true Titans of cinema.
0: It inspired um, a lot of um, horror films too. Like especially mm-hmm. across the pond. They inspired uh what's that uh Peter Jackson one with the oh, aliens? Uh,
2: Dead Dead Alive.
0: Dead Alive. Yeah, it
2: really uh, is like a if you watch yeah. this and watch Dead Alive, it's almost the same it's like it feels like the same person made the movie or was like directly inspired. Yeah. Um, and you see elements of other classic horror films at the time that were using features from the original eighty one version, um, like Stuart Gordon, who is uh who made Reanimator um in nineteen eighty-five, largely uh gives a lot of credit to the Evil Dead for inspiring him to make the movie and to primarily use practical effects because if Raimi could do it, so could Gordon. Yeah. Um and you know, I, there's there's only so much we could say about it. I think Evil Dead Two is basically a perfect movie. I I yeah. see no arguments with it. Um, it's, Monty, a launch
0: pad. it's a launchpad. It's a launchpad to to the edu, if you want to say.
2: Yes, I it. we're, we're going to definitely.
0: Coin it. uh, it's definitely a launchpad. I it really is, enjoy it. It, it. it I is watching... the Iron
1: Man to Evil Dead ones Hulk
0: pretty Incre- it's the incredible yeah, you Hulk can say that yeah. yeah but so, I, I would say that it's like it's one of those movies that i can watch over and over
2: and over yes again. yeah i can watch evil Dead too like a thousand times yeah um and <clears throat> i i think for that reason i, I want to give it an official rating which is a, a easy four out of four charms same with the first one um where the first one the 1981 i think comes down as like a th- Three and a half to three point seven five out of five for quality, and that's merely because of the story and kind of the presentation of it. Where Evil Dead Two just fixes everything, and it's a four out of four and a five out of five. Ben, do you have an official rating for these uh, early films?
1: Yeah, about the same as you. I really liked Evil Dead Two. I mean, like, I never saw it as like, whoa, this is the coolest thing ever, but I quite enjoyed it, so I gave it like a four. Out
0: of five, Monty. Uh, but both Same. are incredibly
1: charming. Same. It, for me. I still remember, the... yeah.
0: like when I first watched Evil Dead, the first one, it scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one's terrifying, by the way. Yeah, it's like it was actually disturbingly
2: more... uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: and and the second one, when they decide to continue uh, the Ash, Ash saga, it's like really, really well, really well done. So four out of four for me, for sure.
2: Yeah. So and and what at this point we've been set up with is a narrative world where there are Necronomicons, which are ancient archaic books of demonic magic. They're books of the dead. And what what has been set up narratively is that in your Evil Dead film, that isn't Army of Darkness, uh, which we'll get to in a second. um, You have a family or a group of friends or a group of uh, individuals who come across a magical book. Someone stupidly uh, reads it summoning a, uh, a deadite or a, de- or a demon, but specifically the, uh, the demons in these films are a parasitic race of demons called the deadites. Um, I did go and read their Wikipedia page because of the comics expanded in detail on the deadites. Um, and they are summoned by one of the three existing Necronomicons. Now, in order to make the evil EDU work, you have to acknowledge that there are three different Necronomicons, each created by the Deadites, each separate oh books of the dead, each of them, oh, yeah, each of are them. Are you buckled up, Monty? Each of them containing their own magical properties and lore, which make things different um, for each of the films. Um, now, the the book that we see in Evil Dead 2 um, and Evil Dead 1 and and technically Army of Darkness, but that's an alternate reality, um, are, are the same book. the, <laughs> that's the Vortex book. That's book 1A. That's book 1A. Yeah. Book 2A is what we see in, in my yeah. opinion, um, my favorite Evil Dead movie. Uh, 2013's Evil Dead by Freddy Alvarez. And uh, when we get to 2023, ten years later, Evil Dead Rise, we get a third new book,
0: which is the um, Teeth Book.
2: It's the Teeth Book, and then and then
0: the book in. So there um, could be more.
2: Well, no, in, there's in, three no,
0: books they're saying in
2: it. Is. Yeah. So yeah. in in Army of Darkness, the pure comedy fantasy horror film, um, which was Sam Raimi really showing that he doesn't just like making horror movies; he likes making movies that are metal as fuck and doesn't care if they're actually disgusting yeah. or, or gruesome. He just wants to make good movies. Um, they establish in a throwaway line that there are three different um, Necronomicons that were created by the deadites thousands of years ago in the time that before we Human.
1: know of.
2: Well, yes, that the dark order and that the 13th century humans knew about there. I'm sorry, the more. dark order. Yes. The dark order is, is a group of individuals. Johnny
0: yes, precisely. <laughs> you get it.
2: Um, so we get all of that set up in, in Army of Darkness, which establishes the multiversal nature of Ash and of the Evil Dead world. Uh, but in, in the grand scheme of what we, we need to know about the Evil Dead world, what what is important is that there are three books in each three of them. Three
0: universes. And, well, yeah, like you have fact, to think about it. It is technically three universes. Because well, yeah, you, so, well, you have the Ash William where he's the chosen one in that universe. And, yeah, the and, original and then Evil Dead universe. And then you have the 2013 uh, Evil Dead, which has, you know, clear, it's very obvious of you, without spoiling it for Ben, because he hasn't seen it. Our audience ben. are probably gasping right now. Uh, but uh, Evil Dead 2013, you, I, I went back and looked at it again, and I realized that it could be set up as an alternate universe to the Ash ash williams uh is because there is a character that is very similar to ash which is her brother and you mm-hmm. were thinking that like when you watch that movie again you think that he would be the new ash but he isn't because yeah. it's an alternate timeline it's an alternate universe the sister became the chosen one in that one yeah. and then
2: and well, and they, they, they've come out and confirmed that Evil Dead Rise is supposed to be in the same universe as 2013's Evil oh, Dead. Oh, is it? The, yeah, they, 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 the director said, confirmed it explicitly, but he did not. He stated that the Army of Darkness and original Ash Williams storyline might yeah. be in an alternate dimension that exists in the same multiverse, though. Um, and yeah, in the comics, yeah. it's con- it, it's confirmed that all of the multiverses um, are interconnected because of the power of the Necronomicon. Yeah, yeah, Necronomicons that exist across the different places. Um, what I what I, I I briefly I we can't get into. The well, I'm following
1: of- all of this very clearly. So there's three books.
2: Yes, and. Yeah two universes well three universes three universes because there's the there's the universe that we see in evil dead one and two there's the alternate 1300s universe that he goes to an army of darkness which is not a time travel it's an alternate timeline and yeah. then we have the third modern continuation which is the uh, 2013 oh, so there's... 2023 continuity. So
1: there's four universes then. Because Evil Dead 1 and 2 are separate. I feel like those no, are different this... universes. No, 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 they're, they're the same, the same
0: storyline. Yeah, they're the same book. It's, it's the same it, it, story, it tastes... but, it's,
1: but it's, no. there are small differences. I feel that like was... in a way no, it's, that. It's would
0: still be... the same book, though. You have to well, follow it. Well, actually,
2: actually, Monty, Ben actually uncovered a secret. Mm. He's correct because in Evil Dead 2 they recast his girlfriend to That's show right. you that he is in a different world. So they, Evil yeah. Dead 1, yeah, his girlfriend. Yeah, they recast his girlfriend in Evil Dead 2.
1: Which is why not At the only beginning are there of the four film. universes in three books, but there's also three versions of the first book.
2: Yes, that is true. There are yeah. yes. there's, there's a there's different There's
1: multiple. No, like
0: you had to see that army of darkness is it. And
1: y'all thought the Halloween timeline was confusing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but the evil army of darkness timeline, I feel, is that in my interpretation, is that Ash got sent pulled back in time to where where the original books existed, and that kind of resets um, everything. From so, so in the... one and two. In the That's comic,
2: in the comic books that he actually just leaves that reality and enters a new timeline before returning at the end of the movie. Oh, so he, okay. he wasn't actually where the 1300s world he went back to was yeah. not a different time. It was it wasn't a different time. He didn't go back in time. He went to a different timeline where it was still 1300. It just so happens that anytime the Necronomicon uh, is used, it must create a rift in time and space um, that allows the transition between different universes. Um, And it's believed that there is there is supposed to be an actual version of Ash Williams in that 1300s world. We just don't meet him until we meet him in the comics,
0: Uh, which 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 are canon. That would explain it a lot.
2: Uh, and it regarding... depends on which version of the movie you end because there's two different
0: endings. Yeah, there's that one where he over he overslept. And yeah, he went to the apocalyptic world, which if you watch the series, yeah, that's where the series left off. Also, which pissed me off before <laughs> they canceled it. He they, he wakes up in the future, and he's got a cyborg. Um, he's got his car that's souped up, and he's got a cyborg uh partner that's in the that's future kinda, that's kind of rad yeah like and then they canceled the series so they killed it the same way they end the 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 alternate ending for army of darkness was so
1: well that's but, how but, that's how we're gonna bring all of these ashes yeah. and timelines together
2: but is when, in when one movie
1: make... that's going to ruin all all of the separate timelines at the same well, they'll juncture. have to do
2: they did evil dead rise so they're gonna have to do evil dead like destination or evil dead evil, Endgame. E- evil dead evil dead fall yes yeah that's actually yeah. will probably be the title but, but there's that... like another
0: thing that i would i want to talk about like when matt's done it, it, when we find out um bruce campbell does make a cameo in Evil Dead Rise. I'm not sure, Matt, if you yeah, ran up on that. I did. Did you he's find one. out where it yeah, was? He, he's, yeah, okay. he's one okay. of the priests. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, go on, go on, start with... Okay, oh, so sorry,
2: I, I, before we get to <coughs> Evil Dead Rise, and yeah. I know, Bed, you haven't seen this movie, so we'll come back to you for your analysis on this. My, uh,
1: my one question. Yeah. Did you guys like the movie? Yeah,
2: yeah, the movie's yeah. great. Yeah. Go okay. and see it. I highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. But... But I, I will say it is the we'll get we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But we'll get to it. I, I, we'll I wanna talk, I really wanna talk about Evil Dead 2013. Now okay. um ben, ben this is as much of a pitch to encourage you to watch another movie I've been trying to get you to watch since twenty thirteen. <laughs> um Evil Evil Dead Rise is a is another reimagining of I, I, I view when I've watched Evil Dead uh 2013, it works both as a complete remake um, but also as like, like a, a story that exists in the same universe. So you can go either way with it. Um, but what is very, very interesting about evil dead 2013 is that when Freddie Alvarez made the movie, he was directly being inspired by the original 1981 evil dead, not evil dead two. And one of Sam Raimi's primary objectives and, modus operandi when making that film was to not at any capacity care about the censors of the time. His objective was to push the brutality with the budget and the, and the resources he had to make the most viscerally terrifying film possible. Mm -hmm. Now, in my opinion, um, evil dead, 2013, instead of landing in a realm where there's comedy and fun, um, takes the series and it's in a whole new direction, um, by, Reimagining the original story and spinning it into a utterly brutal and actually story driven Evil Dead film. Now, all of the Evil Dead films, uh, besides I think Evil Dead 2013, primarily operate on the fact that there is a set up plot narrative, which is like Necronomicon bad, get k- kill everything, and beat the demons, and, and then just stuff happens to the people. It really doesn't matter why they're there or the story really doesn't care about what is making the characters kind of stay in their places. Not even in Evil Dead Rise, which does it a little bit, but really, it's all about the demons and the kills, right? Evil Dead 2013 legitimately sets up, I think, the most compelling and human version of the Evil Dead. Um, Oh, wow in and, in and, and evil Dead. it's the it's, it's a, the
0: dark and it's the it's the dark knight saga or yeah it's the batman begins version of that i, I guess, was if you want. yeah yeah and like it's, it's more realistic
2: it's more realistic it's more brutal yeah. um it is notorious for being considered probably one of the most brutally made movies in the last 10 years that isn't just like a porn movie um even though it is uh it is notorious for having the most fake blood ever used in a single scene where they used fifty five thousand gallons of fake blood um wow the, so that's the,
0: more than evil dead rise
2: yeah evil dead yeah. rises used more fake blood over the course of the entire film yeah, um, yeah. but when it came to single usage in a in, for a single scene uh 2013's evil dead uh makes a landmark usage of gore and it, it it embodies probably the most controversial aspect of any of the evil dead films um, which is the violation um, which is the way in which the uh, heroes of the film are turned into uh, deadite demons by being um, violated by nature uh, we won't use the bad r word um <laughs> But what I but I, what tre- I re- you mean the
0: the tree vine scene? <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: Uh, which 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 surprisingly was not recreated in 2023. But according to the director, that's because it's a different book. Um, What I found very interesting was as I was reading back to see what other people's opinions of Evil Dead 2013 were, because when it came out, um, it wasn't well regarded by the horror community at first, or at least the community I was. Involved yeah, that's what in. I. That's what I always heard. I, I heard, like, it was okay. I, I loved it. I, I love, it. love it, too. I genuinely, it's my favorite Evil Dead
0: movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, even if you want to say it's a remake, I would say it's one of the best remakes.
2: Well, and I think I was one of the, uh, I want to shout out a YouTuber who I watch, uh, Spooky Astronaut, who is a Australian horror and dark film reviewer. Um, She put it very, very well, and I, I, I wanted to see what your guys' opinions were on this kind of prompt that she lays out in her video breaking down the entire Evil Dead series. She says about Evil Dead 2013, Besides remaking a horror film in a new language for a new audience, Evil Dead is one of the only horror films that was able to successfully reimagine and remake a horror film, flipping the meaning and the atmosphere on its head to hmm. make something new and to pull it off and not be not, and it not be a readaptation, taking the source material and flipping it. So I, doing
1: what they tried to do with nightmare on Elm street,
2: but ex- couldn't and yeah. with predator and with so many other of the series we've had. And well, I was, predator was a, was a straight up soft reboot
1: that that's different,
2: but they didn't even try to like, yeah. And, and, and that, Vibe. They didn't try to change the tone or the kind of thing. But you're right. With the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, they did. And I can't think. And I, I I thought about this a bit today. I couldn't think of any major remake or reimagining or kind of readaptation that legitimately takes the tone and changes it to something different. Then and doesn't successfully. The you Game have of to 2013. Look, you you have to look back to black and white movies that were
1: uh readapted. A lot of horror movies They did that Like The Mummy The Mummy's a great example Okay yeah ninety eight. The Mummy
0: Yeah no, that's a good remake
1: Yeah I, but I, I don't but, I mean I, since There's
2: nothing else Since
1: Pretty much Any franchise That was brand um, Stoker's that, Dracula That was
0: but the yeah. tone
2: is that the atmosphere isn't different. It's it, like it, anything. It's, though, it's, uh, it, it's a
0: little Bram Stoker, like Francis Ford Coppola's is Bram Stoker's Dracula. The atmosphere is definitely different. Sure. Than the original but is that an adaptation
2: yeah. of the, of the original book or a remake of a specific movie? Because evil Dead 2013 is specifically readapting the original it's, script I, I, of evil. I, I Dead. think
1: the, I think the cutoff we're looking for is pretty much anything that was pre-French New Wave and stuff that's post-French New Wave because sure. that I feel like was the last real the the movie the that last I... real like uh the the last like new type of film that people could do because think... that was essentially there are no rules to film anymore. Yeah, well, I, was I, that. I think... Ben, that and that now, reference... and now, if you have something that like you really want to reintroduce, you just make it a new franchise, right? Because people are buying into the tone that they got from like the
2: first movie in a series. I think, I think the, mentioning the French New Wave, Ben, the movie that jumped out of my memory that I think actually does uh, succeed in the same prompt that Spooky Ash and I present it is the difference between 1977 Suspiria and the 2018 suspiria yeah yeah i can see yeah. that yeah, definitely. It, it is a kind of a tonal and atmospheric <laughs> Man, shift technically oh okay. technically yeah no, no but that Man. sucks yeah. but that sucks that's not a good <laughs> example i think 2018 suspiria is better than 1977 suspiria fight me um and i think i think we get that with evil dead with evil dead 2013 so going into uh evil dead rise 10 years later I think the 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 kind of the expectations have been set of what you can accomplish with the Evil Dead franchise. You have you have you have the original films, the 3. You have the TV show which was which was very successful or successful enough to get canceled after 3 seasons. Um, you have 2013's Evil Dead uh which was divisive but now um from all the reviews I looked up today is is has largely received the credit that it deserves. Um, and I think a lot of the hate people had for it was because it wasn't just like a basic flat remake uh and also that it is genuinely one of the most fucking brutal movies um I've seen in a very long time it it captures the the horror that I would I want more than anything there's a scene uh where someone licks a knife and if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about and there are a few movies that pull off a scene that brutal um as Evil Dead 2013. So Evil Dead 2013 currently sits as my favorite Evil Dead movie. It's a 4 out of 4 and a 5 out of 5. Uh I have zero problems with it and I think it actually brings both character and depth to the Evil Dead universe that is largely missing in the other films. All uh, right. Um, so and-
1: so so what so what do I want to do here, Matt? Mm-hmm. How do I want to jump off of this is is I I since from you some some negativity regarding my hesitancy to fully embrace film considering i live in you know hollywood and everything so so here is the deal i'm going to make with you matt all right The, the new deal here is the new deal i'm making for you for the podcast and more than for anyone else for monty of course because that's the only reason why we're here is for monty yeah i mean so every episode matt i want you to give me one of your movies to watch it can be anything just one movie and i will report back on the podcast next week having watched it and i
2: will give you my thoughts well, we'll for this watch week,
0: Evil Dead. Then. <laughs> yeah,
2: e- Evil Dead 2013 is definitely your assignment <clears throat> for this movie for this podcast. I um, will report what...
1: back next week. I'm I'm gl- I have. I feel like I've learned nothing about Evil Dead 2023, but I've learned a lot about Evil Dead 2013. Well, we're about to get to it, Ben. You didn't we so... are 50 minutes into the podcast.
2: <laughs> yes, eat our ass. So. These are, these are important movies now. So uh, Monty, I, I'd love to get your. We talked briefly about it when we were in person, but what are your thoughts on the 2013 Evil Dead? Before we launch into our <laughs> 2023 20, Evil Dead. I way, this this podcast is going to be as long as these movies are, ninety minutes. I
1: I, I thought you know I thought that we were just skewing 2023. That's why I was letting this go so long. No, we're going through both. Okay.
0: We have to. to. This is a whole journey. Obviously. You need the context. Because this movie doesn't. The movie
2: doesn't exist on its own. And it exists directly in comparison to the movies that have come before. And we've never, as a podcast, talked about these films. So they deserve the fourth times the charm treatment. Right, Monty? They sure do. And they're getting it. So. Monty, tell me. I think
0: I, I agree with you. When Evil Dead uh, 2013 came out, I was going to say Evil Dead 4, uh, I have to say, kinda. well, it is, um, I, really, I was blown away by it. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. Uh, I know you said there are serious elements. It is serious, but... There are some moments that I kind of laughed out loud. Oh yeah! Kind of like because because you have to remember, like making Evil Dead, you're supposed to make the characters suffer as well. And there's a oh, few definitely. moments that I was laughing because of how unfortunate some of the characters were at. we were, ha- we're getting um, let's say tortured by the demon. You you laugh when you laugh at 2013's
2: Evil Dead. You're laughing at it for the same reason you laugh. Yeah at yeah. Movie. I'm
0: laughing at it for for how comedic and and tortures that that guy i know you, I th- you, you probably caught me laughing at evil dead rise too oh i did
2: too yeah but i mean every evil dead movie even the first one yeah. has its moments of comedy and i think uh, as ben recently just saw the movie nope um the moments of comedy are sometimes the best moments just like and nope has a couple great examples some genuinely hilarious moments yeah,
1: yeah re- real real quick quick pause in the just action a, a
2: side note to the side note about nope S-
0: <laughs>
1: yeah uh nope is i think probably the prettiest uh it's one of the prettiest movies i've ever seen it's probably the best uh it's it's one of the best uses of cinematography i've ever seen in film yep like i agree the, Monty, the, the Monty cutting I... the, the cutting in it is truly amazing every single time it cuts there is a purpose to an uninflected shot and when, e- and if it ever does cut back to the same shot, there's a reason for it. Yeah, Why I the think... person's emotion is, is different. It, well, the whole movie could be compressed into a comic book without dialogue and you would know exactly what's yep. going on, which is like the epitome of cinematography and film. Like I, yeah. like it, it gave me Nosferatu vibes. And like Legit. the use
2: of the use of color and the ability yeah. to the way they filmed the darkness in that movie is like beyond compare.
1: Yeah, it's ge- genuinely one of one of the Oscar. best
2: made movies I've ever seen. Yeah.
0: So going back to Evil, fuck Death Triangle 13. of Sadness. <laughs>
2: yeah, fuck that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, back um,
2: back to a movie that's not nearly as well made, but is probably equally as fun. I would it say. Is
0: it is. Um, yeah, I still, I would give it a perfect score. I give it four out of four and you know, five out of five, but for 2013, I, right? For, for 2013. 2013. Yeah. Okay, it's, yeah, right. it's definitely, uh, I love how it, I love the intro, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the intro before the movie actually starts. I love yeah. all the way the turns, the twists, um, where you're expecting something to happen, but it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, just the sheer brutality out of it is insane. So, um, yeah, no, I have to say, it's it's one of the rarest horror movie remakes slash reboot um, mm-hmm. I've seen today. That, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen anything like it since. So I agree with the the reviewer you mentioned, like, Yeah, it is. It is really well done. It took. It kept them. It was a well done project where you tried. You kept all the elements that you required to make an Evil Dead film.
2: You didn't do anything to to change the source material. No.
0: Um. While
2: you can you can tell a
0: different story, but you don't change the the root of the story. So
2: exactly. Yeah,
0: which is always like like I was telling you after we watched Evil Dead Rise, like. Mm -hmm. The key components of Evil Dead are the book, duct tape, shotgun, and a chainsaw, and blood. That's all you need, and then you just come up with a good story. Which I would like to lead us into is Evil Dead Rise. Whoa! (laughs) When did that (laughs) movie come out? It came out this weekend! What?!
2: Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) 10 years after 2013's Evil Dead. 10 years years after this podcast started.
0: 10 years, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. But yeah. Think about that. (laughs) Kick us off into what is Evil Dead?
1: Well, well, so here, let let me frame it in this way. If you're someone who's seen the other evil deads, or if you're someone who's seen the first like three evil deads, and then just heard explicitly about the last evil dead movie, uh, what, what is the vibe that this evil dead brings?
2: So the, the vibe this evil dead brings is a, is a return to the kind of very simplified, straightforward story. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't embrace the comedic vibes of, uh, a Evil little Dead bit. 2, a li- it doesn't a it isn't bit. fully embrace into the no. degree that Evil Dead 2 does, but no. it also does not embrace the brutality of two, 2013's Evil Dead. Now, that's not to say this movie isn't gory and brutal. There, is there some are some scenes. yeah, Cringy really kind bad of ugh, moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the vibe of this one is it's more so a good time than it it's it's kind of the perfect... It's kind of the best thing, best kind of blending you can have of the two aesthetics we have for Evil Dead, which is the contained, simple, low budget, close knit story, followed by enough gore and excess to make the craziest and grimiest a horror fan happy. But enough of a story and enough of a setting to make sense. Yeah. Um, but the
0: elements the, are like the elements are still the same. It's just yeah. changed. There's nothing, there's nothing changed new in Evil bit. Dead Rise. Yeah, that's what I, I can say. I would have to say that. It, it's kind of true. Now that I think about it, the elements, everything is the same. You get a location. Mm-hmm. You get five, six people stuck uh, at this location. Okay. You get the book. You get the summoning. You get yeah. the possession. And then, then all hell breaks loose after yeah. that. So it's it's they i have to say lee is it lee cronin uh oh yeah lee cronin lee cronin director and writer it is it is a very challenging task if you think about it if you yeah. actually think about it that you have to maintain this and come up with a, a a really good story to make you know such a great film and he i have to give him props like his idea and and doing some little tweaks here and there and, and trying to connect it to the evil Dead universe is it's just amazing how you piece it together. But to Matt's point, there are some things that are, I don't know. I guess if you are new to the evil dead universe and this is the first one you've seen, then sure. It can become, very, uh, very different or, or something new and exciting. But for me and, and and Matt, like we're hardcore, like we follow the lore of Evil Dead and everything like that. This one near, I would have to say second, no, second act and third act started mm-hmm. to become kind of predictable. if you know
2: what well yeah well so i think what what the to give you the setup for evil dead rise monty kind of mentioned it has all of the core tenants um the the dressing that makes those core tenants feel fresh is that instead of taking place in a cabin in the woods or in a 1300s medieval town um evil dead rise takes place in a high rise in los angeles uh, in a building that's a month away from being uh, demolished, which kind of lets you explain away why there aren't a ton of people in the building and why some of the aspects of the, of the f- building in, in the story are so isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, it follows a family. It's a family of, it's a family of four, a, a mother, her two daughters and her son. Um, and we've at the first, we meet our, our hero of the story, uh, Lily Sullivan, who plays Beth, who is either a, is a professional guitar tech, who's traveling with a band. And at the beginning of the movie, we find out that she's pregnant. Um, and this kind of sets up the overarching tone or kind of theme of motherhood, um, that kind of takes you through this movie, um, which is the attempt at having like an underlying f- narrative to make it more than just like a gore fest. Um, and when there's a earthquake in their apartment building, um, the children find, unfortunately, a copy of the Necronomicon in addition to the many things that we've seen in all of the uh, Evil Dead movies. Or a record player with a reading before things go terribly wrong. Now, this movie is pretty by the books. It's straightforward. If you like it, if you like gore, you like intensity, this is a movie not to miss in the theaters. Um, it does a very good job capturing it. And I think it does some things better than almost any of the other Evil Dead movies have done. Um, and that primarily, I think, comes into the transformations. Yeah. Um, the, the way in which the characters become deadites or, or become possessed by the deadites and their transformation is so well done. Um, at, without spoiling it, at some point in the film, another character becomes infected. Um, as a deadite, and the transformation that character goes through, and then the the inevitable reveal of their demonic nature is one of the coolest aspects of this movie that truly made it feel like the book or the demons that were possessing this family were different from the demons in other movies. And I, yeah, I, it, I it really, really did feel like. Um, and, we, and this is not a because It's in the trailer that uh anna marie thompson who plays jessica the mother who is the initial possessee and is the mother uh mommy loves you to death on the on the poster doing the creepy insidious um hereditary smile that's become very popular for evil moms in movies um just just
1: people in general yeah smiling is
2: evil now yeah she (laughs) she's a she's an actress who in the beginning part of the movie the kind of like family loving narrative and interactions felt a bit stiff like she wasn't necessarily fully comfortable
0: wait Um, wait wait hold on matt correction there correction um it's Alyssa sutherland that plays the mom
2: who the hell is
0: anna marie thompson then uh she is the girl that i think gets possessed at the beginning
2: oh yes oh yeah oh yeah
0: jessica is the the girlfriend yeah yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So. So, so yeah. Alyssa, like you...
2: Alyssa Sutherland, though, like we don't want to. We can't talk about what happens in the beginning of the movie. Oh, okay. um, the opening right. scene, because that's it's too good to give away. Oh, um, yeah. Anna Sutherland's care. Anna Sutherland, the actress, though, was meant to play this demon. Yeah. I've never seen an actress come more alive in the second act of a movie than this one. She really. She 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 goes from giving like your your middling everyday um horror performance to going like full Tony Collette level of like
0: horror. fully believable yeah. as
2: this demon and character and the way she Hell, yeah. uses her physical performance and her voice this is actually one of the nicer things about this movie and the evil that franchise at all your your main villains your big bads talk um and and this movie the uh the deadite that's speaking through this mother um, is really a true character in the film and does such a good job
0: yeah. um and, and like, you know what? conversation
2: like, and banter before
0: you you get deeper into that like i have to say the character of ellie the mother mm-hmm. um you do like the character building from just the first uh first act mm-hmm. which is not too long but it's, it didn't drag or anything
2: like no, that no i mean these the, all these movies are pretty
0: feel fucking character like you felt really bad Mm -hmm. for her to you know become the antagonist of this whole film and there's one thing i want to point out is that this deadite that possesses her is different from any other deadites maybe 2013 evil dead but this one you can get the sense that this one is smarter and harder to kill and don't mind yeah and very playful and and like it's just so creepy like this one is like it's not stupid at all like not the ash william ones that we yeah. <laughs> beats up for no into a bloody pulp. but this this demon is like a whole different level for sure yeah
2: so i think i think that without giving anything away because this is a brand new movie um, so I don't want to dive too deeply into the nitty gritty of it. But what I, what I will say is that I highly recommend this movie. I yep. think it, it, it succeeds with about a three and a half out of the 3.75 out of four charms. And I think if the writing was as strong as we saw in 2013, it would have made it up to the top of the list. But I, I think when it comes to like overall quality, it comes in at a solid four or a three, a three and a half. It's great. It's charming but it's not yeah. perfect. And yeah, I think I would... for, for horror fans to be able to see a movie like this in cinemas, um, please go and do, cause we don't get many of these just like Bo is afraid. The new Ari Aster film. We don't, we're, we're not really going to get too many of these movies, um, especially out in theaters, unless we go and make sure they're seen. Um, okay. I, like this so... one, I have to
0: say, yeah, I agree with Matt. It's, it's 3.5 out of four charms mm-hmm. for sure um uh, quality wise i loved it i actually will give it a little more matt i'll give okay. it i'll give it the full score reason being and i think ben will appreciate this when he gets to see it there's a lot of practical effects which i yeah. really love and it's really hard to do and especially in this day and age it's i'm i was glad because 2013 had a lot of cgi effects but it this did. one had a lot of practical effects. Um and yeah, without spoiling anything, when you guys see it, it's actually really well done, and and some parts very and, cringy and, to watch.
2: And and in our modern day, yeah, um, it 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 has a like a, nearly a micro budget of only yeah. fifteen million, and and let's rejoice, everybody. Let's can we take a moment to rejoice the worldwide gross for this movie was in their opening weekend was 42 million Yeah, having a domestic box office of 24 million. So this shows that the horror fans are out there. And that means we will almost certainly get at least three
0: more sequels. We have four
1: Jeepers Creepers movies. Okay.
2: Yeah. We're going to get like five more of
1: these.
0: Are uh, Are you counting Jeepers Creepers Rebirth?
1: I mean, I don't want to, but it's <laughs> there.
0: I was actually, I saw that on uh, the other day, I think on Tubi or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap, there was a Jeepers Creepers Reborn that came out last year. I'm like, what the I hell? I
1: couldn't even see the third one. It was so bad. I mean, like I it watched awful. it. But I hated myself for it. Uh, So, so let me, so let me ask you guys then. Yeah. E- Evil Dead seems like a unique franchise in that each movie kind of has its own flavor. Right, yeah. it's not like a Marvel movie where you generally have the same feeling throughout, and that's one of the things that people can lobby as criticism against it. Um, for a franchise like Evil Dead, do you think it's better for the series to continue as is, where we get a sequel every five or ten years? And it's got a sort of different vibe. Or do you think it would be better to leave this series as it is and then shift these other directions into their own individual franchises?
0: Now, because there's I, okay. a
1: lot of talk lately about you know the use of sequels in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So without with without the background. Of the rest of the evil dead franchise do you think this movie would be as strong or do you think the movie that would take its place would be stronger
2: i i think without the background of the evil dead i don't think like even even um oh i'm sorry i forgot his name now it just escaped me um the director's other film uh lee collins lee cronin's other film hole in the ground i think showed both the things that inspired Lee Cronin and what he could do with a short kind of contained story. Uh, But what I think this movie did, and I think you can, it's exemplified by the fact that Sam Raimi specifically uh, told, asked Lee Cronin to make this movie. They make this remake. He handpicked Lee Cronin because of Hole in the Ground. Yeah. And I think, I think what that does is in a film franchise like Evil Dead, where it isn't marred by the, you know, sequel drama of like having like eight bad sequels or like the, um, like trying to make a Hellraiser remake or reboot. Like we've had six really bad ones. Um, or Nightmare on Elm Street, where we've had one arguably bad movie and the rest are great. No arguments there. <laughs> um, or like Halloween, where we've had like four to seven really bad ones, um, and like one and a half great ones. Friday the 13th. Um, Friday the 13th. One, yeah. one
0: really bad one I have to say.
2: One or two really yeah, bad ones. Yeah. The rest are are pretty pretty legit. It's, it's um, basically the way so, I would or put it. so
0: bad. The way shit I that would put like, it for, okay. to, to Ben is that this franchise unlike most horror movie franchise which they tried to milk the cash cow green, uh, like dry is this one, I, I have to say, the Evil Dead franchise, if you think about it, majority of them are somewhat um, re, remakes slash recalls or whatever you yeah. call it, Matt. Recals. Because if you think about it, aside from Army of Darkness, which is a true sequel, aside yeah. from the TV show, like Evil Dead 2 is, is kind of a recall for, for Evil Dead 1. Then you get 2013 Evil Dead, which is kind of a a reboot slash remake yep. slash if you want to call re-imagining. it reimagining. Reimagining, and then you have Evil Dead 3, which is another ten like Ben said, it's ten years, and then they have to retell the story again. It's the same same um, crunch like same type of storytelling, and uh, no different than the 2013 and the original, um, but yeah i i think this one this franchise it's it's different and it seems like there it's always been a letdown like for the the fans obviously is whenever they get something going like i still remember right after 2013 evil Dead came out i was like yo i want to see where this universe takes yeah i want
2: place. evil dead 2 based and on the on 2013 at Fred that, alvarez
0: yeah, like, at that time, I still recall that there was the idea of floating around where, like, 2013 Evil Dead opened up the Evil Dead universe, and they were gonna say, uh, like, if a sequel were to that one were to have happened at that time, they were planning to do a whole story where it ties the TV back. show yeah. and the movie's universe back together again, where Ash... Does meet up with um, Maya, the hero, the heroine of the of the 2013 one. But then that got that that fell apart. But there's something that I recently read, which was Sam Raimi has confirmed, and Bruce Campbell has confirmed that if this one does well, they don't want to wait another 10 years. They want to do it like a sequel or like a branch out every two to three years. They want to do something like that. So.
2: And with with that, I was going to say, my dream for for and the, that kind of sequel world is where Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell go out of their way to pick young, incredibly good filmmakers in the horror world and give them the opportunity to play um, within this universe, like Freddie Alvarez did, like um, uh, I can't remember his name now. Sorry, I'm I am so sorry if I leak Cronin, like they did with Lee, Lee Cron- Cronin, they yeah, gave Lee them Cron- the opportunity. Cron- yeah. I, and I would lobby for i have I have two things I would lobby for for uh an evil dead follow up to this one is if you're gonna do another self-contained one, maybe one that follows the third uh, a different book to kind of bring things together, I think you need to give it to a director who's young, who's made an incredible film um but is still kind of growing in their talent and their and their specific style of filming, especially in a low budget. You give it to someone like Joseph Winters and Vanessa Winters, the directors of Deadstream.
0: Oh. Now could you oh, imagine really an really
2: evil dead movie in the hands of the directors of Deadstream? I can, not and it sounds fucking incredible. The that other Id- dope. The other idea I have is you have to go full um Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth, and your follow-up to this is a epic bombastic Army of the Dead like sequel where you actually just branch out in the streets of LA and you have like the deadites having taking over the, the
0: evil world. dead end game you're talking yeah. about
2: yes yeah. i want that i want like full apocalypse like full like end of the earth demons everywhere big budget like full insanity you get sam Raimi back to direct or you get like a like some some crazy like you can't get like Robert Edgars or, or Ari Aster to do it, but you get like a modern kind of bombastic horror director, like a Sam Raimi to take this and do his like doctor strange in the multiverse of madness, but just actually in the evil dead world with a hard R. Um, but I think that the future of this franchise really does lie in the hands of directors alike. Yeah. Um, like, like Joseph Winters, um, and, uh, other, other underground
0: directors. But to Ben, I, I, there's something I want to answer, uh, address. to Ben's point is, um, I address. We, we me. talked about we talked about the pros, but I, I have to him. say, uh, Evil Dead Rise is, out of only comparing it with the franchise mm-hmm. films, and Matt, you and I, we talked about this after the movie. It is not the best one.
2: No, I mean no. it's it's not the best it, it one. It seems but sort of like am, it's standing your, amongst titans.
0: Yeah, it is, but it's not the best one out of them. All. Sort like, of seems
2: like it's your it, least favorite. I, it's I I would like be not hard, that it's bad. No, I would no, be hard. But it, but it Seems like it's the bad.
1: one you enjoyed the
2: least. It's, it's the would be, one I enjoyed the least. I, I still
0: think that 2013 is is the best out of them. Yeah,
2: 2013 um, and evil dead 2 are tied for me at pinnacle yeah and then it's evil dead 1 and then no, you, this... know, you can't do a tie at the top you gotta pick one well evil dead 2013 then evil dead 2 and then and then evil dead 1 and then almost a tie is between army, army of darkness. dark and darkness and evil dead rise which i love That's... army of darkness i i, yeah. I, I, I think I...
0: army of darkness is better than evil dead rise
2: I need to rewatch army of darkness because I have nostalgia glasses on right now for it, but I think I also have some recency bias for your adult rise. I think evil dead rise just kind of ekes out army of darkness a little bit. Um, and that's only because I haven't seen army of darkness in like, probably like seven years.
1: So this is probably the worst one, but it's still worth watching. It's still That's worth your take takeaway here. Oh
0: yeah, okay. It's it's, you have to watch it.
2: Yeah, it's 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 the worst one, but it's still incredible.
0: And I think this this diving board, uh, Evil Dead Rise. I think it's gonna launch into something bigger. And I, if I that doesn't really get
1: you to the theater, nothing will.
0: <laughs> I think that. Oh, well, I guess not. I guess Ben's not going to the theater. <laughs> my my point to the 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 directors and all the the producers of this film is if they're listening i just hope that they kind of follow the conjuring storyline they can do side stories they can break it off like you know what i mean like I guess it, yeah if we're gonna do like it that, do it right yeah do it right take your time in telling the story and then finish it off with something like endgame style like what Matt was just saying. Like you got all the all the chosen ones and they all team up and you know go through with it. And you know what to, to, to just to bring it up uh just to remind everyone I think that in this Evil Dead universe in order to become the chosen one like Ash obviously is um I think they are the one the characters that are chosen considered to be chosen ones, are the ones that have been possessed and have come out of it. Because Ash mm-hmm. Williams was possessed in Evil Dead 2 at the beginning. Yeah, and he, he came uses... out of it. And yeah, then it uh, Maya in 2013, she started off being the possess- the first possessed one. Yeah, and she, she cast got it off. of it. Yeah, she cast it off. But this one, you're right, Matt. If this is the same universe, then Maya would probably be the chosen one in this universe. And Beth is probably like the sidekick or something like that.
2: Yeah. There's a yeah. few moments in this film that I think will set up things that could have been really good, but they're yeah. exclusively spoilers about the last like 20 minutes of the movie. But there's a, there's a, the, the young, the young daughter character, I think will play a huge role. And I think, I think if we do get a sequel like this, I think the character to look out for are the, the character that's going to be very important is the uh the baby that was present for the whole movie but never
0: seen. Uh, oh. That's if that's if they choose to branch out with this yeah, family. If, if I if think they, do. if it's because don't forget, where is the book? It's still in the apartment. Where are the yeah. records? It's still in the apartment. Yeah. Right? So but, well, we, well, we don't
2: know. know that for sure because of what happens at the end and
0: the beginning of the movie Monty But Monty. you remember that They said this move this building is gonna be condemned. Was like gonna be destroyed. It's gonna be demolished in a month. I have a feeling this will Carry over to some some new family or some is it gonna, new person. Are sales. you are you
2: are you taking on like a Hellraiser vibe where the box just finds a
0: new host? Yeah, I have a feeling that's how it's going to happen. But Man, I really
2: but, hope this series doesn't go the way of Hellraiser. But actually, I was say, a great I, I was, a great actually example is the new I, Hellraiser
1: movie. I I, I I was I was noticing there seemed to be a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between the Evil Dead and Hellraiser universe. How long before we get a crossover? Oh my lord! I dream. Evil Dead versus Hellraiser. Hey, they well, did, they I, I did actually, already
0: have a Evil Dead versus Freddy versus Jason comic book series. Yeah, they did. So, yeah. I that doesn't I can, count.
2: of 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 remakes slash reimaginings of horror franchises. I think i this this sits on par. I think Hellraiser twenty twenty two is actually a little bit more successful, um, of creating an interesting verse. But the, I think mm-hmm. the movies. I haven't seen the comparison actually really being made online, but I think these movies are irrevocably connected because they're both doing the same exact thing. They're trying to take a, a known story in a very easily known formula and present it in a modern way with modern characters in our modern world. But it's different and for
0: with some Hellraiser, people. Hellraiser though. It's, it, Hellraiser is more of a, Whoever comes across this box, right? No, well, and but I'm saying I'm act.
2: saying I'm not really saying in regards to the, the narrative of the universes. Okay. I'm saying in regards to the aspect of the two remakes that now exist. Looking at 2022's Evil uh Hellraiser and 2023's Evil Dead Rise, we see two remakes of beloved horror franchises. With new characters that take place in our modern world and reimagine the tone and world of the Evil Dead to some of their horror franchisees, Both done in such a way where if you've never seen the old ones, you can tune in, engage and get exactly what's going on. But both pay direct credit to their predecessors. So I think it's a really interesting dichotomy we see between now modern horror remakes or reimaginings actually succeeding in a big way compared to what we got with films like the uh nightmare and elm street remake or the previous hellraiser remakes where the approach to remaking these franchises or these beloved films was misguided and now we're really kind of hitting it out of the park if only if only the halloween remakes were good well the first the first the first one by rob zombie was good but the rest of it. The,
1: every Halloween reboot, the first one is good. You can string along.
2: Like,
1: the, you can string along a great series of Halloween twos. I'm
0: telling you guys, like, I'm not saying it's a great film, but the the recent uh, trilogy of Halloween, I have to say, it's it's definitely refreshing. I mean, the you first have one, to yeah. you have to watch it. Uh, you have as to watch one, one two, movie. three as one big movie to, to, yeah. to actually make sense of it because See I yeah. I watched the first one and then I watched the second and I kind of meh. Yeah, no, the third one is actually really good. It it has <laughs> it has uh Friday the thirteenth not five. Is it five? Or no, no, no. Which one is the... Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, no, no. Nightmare on Elm Street. It has the vibe of Nightmare on Elm Street 2.
2: Oh, that's that's like like a homoerotic reflection (laughs) Of <laughs> the, the Which one is the is like
0: one where where the kid he thinks he's gotten crazy that Freddy is possessed. Yeah that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah,
1: Nightmare that's on Elm Nightmare Street Nightmare 2 too. the alien right
0: dealing with the
2: homosexual desires inside of yourself and having reject the world reject you and then thus you acting and performing in a way where you conceptualize that trauma of wanting to be yourself by Who thought that, that
1: Nightmare on Elm Street 2 would have been the most Politically
2: forward-thinking movie of and, the and, Nightmare and, and, on Elm Street and franchise. The actor portraying the character in the movie was still in the closet before he made the movie, and he didn't oh, really come out. He didn't come out as as gay until years later. And oh wow! On, which is why we've seen a resurgence of Nightmare Two in the, the recent uh, screenings that it did amongst some indie theaters with him there. Was talking about that exact subject and talking about how during the production and and making of the movie, they weren't even thinking about it, despite it being the undertone for everybody in the movie. So it was intentionally done, but almost subconsciously.
0: Well, I just want to close out that Evil Dead Rise. One thing I do miss is the, the catch lines. There wasn't enough of it. <laughs> There's no cheese in this one. I know, but it's that, that's the catch. catchphrases are definitely worth worth what, what I think, makes Evil Dead. I think, dead, I think dead, they're right? smart because the only one who can do
2: those catchphrases is Bruce Campbell. That's if you true. don't have a Bruce Campbell, don't even try. Exactly.
0: you right.
1: Well, I'm sure that when they wrote the movie, it looked good the first time. Mm-hmm. And maybe even kept it in the second draft. Yeah, yeah. Not the third draft, probably. And no. no, I'll get that out. And of. then after enough armist edits, armist. guys, they realized that this draft, the fourth <gasps> draft, <gasps> wow. was the charm. Whoa!
2: Whoa. Good
1: night. <laughs> Good morning. I'm gonna watch Evil Dead 2013.
2: And Evil Dead Rock. We Rose. got
1: episode 100 coming up. Woop, 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 woop. And episode 101 is going to make you bore your eyes out. <laughs> I've done,
2: <laughs> I've already started the morning. research. Where's the underground?
0: Watch it. Go later. <laughs> Dramatic silence.
2: <laughs> Evil Dead Rock.